Let's turn back for the remainder of the service to Romans 10 that we read earlier. If you have your Bible, if you could turn there, please. <clears throat> Looking out, it looks like about half the congregation of the children. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that, that young people do come to church still. And you're here too as adults, so praise the Lord. <clears throat> We've been looking at this portion in Romans chapter 10. For We've looked at two, for two lessons, two sermons. The concern of Paul for his people, verse 1. And then last week, the confusion of Israel about salvation. Paul said he bore them record on this, the danger is religion without reality. It's going through rituals and things of that nature. And the deception, for they being ignorant. Oh, don't be ignorant of what God has said in his word. The Jews had the law for 1,500 plus years, but they, were, they became ignorant about how to get to heaven and to know God. And they're the people of the book they're the people that God used and still they're ignorant and that's where the church's denominations Christendom we could say has gone today they've got all these laws and all these extras when it is very simple when you look at the scripture to become a Christian don't get tangled up with the deception believe by faith and become a child of God the delusion and going about to establish their own righteousness that's the delusion of religion, isn't it? Religion is man trying to get to know God. Christianity is Christ coming down and making himself known to us through the Holy Spirit by the word. And then we saw the defiance in verse 3. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Man at the core is a rebel. Don't talk about me like that. <laughs> That's the truth. Me too. <laughs> We're rebels at heart. We disobey God. We disobey the gospel. We want to go our own way. Right from Adam and Eve. Didn't they rebel in the garden? And that's the cause of sin. And Matthew 23 spells it out concerning Israel and their rebellion, their defiance, because Romans 10 is talking about Israel. There in verse 37 of Matthew 23, Jesus, after he had had a sharp word to the Pharisees, religious people of his day, he come to this conclusion. He said, woe, 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 three times over, well, eight times over in the first part of 23. Then he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them who are sent unto thee, how often would have I gathered you together as a hen gathers the chickens under her wings and ye would not. There's defiance. You would not. I pray that you're not here today and say, I will not believe that God is. I will not believe that Jesus died for my sins. Don't do that. Because in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, it has the end of those that defy God. And it's not a pretty picture. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it says. Second Thessalonians 1, 
verse 8. And Jesus went on to say, Behold, your house is left to you desolate. Jerusalem, desolation. <laughs> 2,000 years of it, almost. And they're fighting to stay where they are as the Lord draws them back. For I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth, till you say, God will not come knocking at their door until they say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And who is that? The Lord Jesus. Until they, the Jews, recognize Jesus as their Messiah. And until we recognize that Jesus is Lord. And do what Romans 10 tells us. Then the door is shut. We have to humble ourselves and say, I can't work my way to heaven. I will believe what the Lord has done. Let's pray. This is not the closing prayer, by the way. <laughs> this is the opening one. For a short sermon, I'll, I'll have to cut it back. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it tells us the way. Thank you that we have a, that the example of Israel who defied and denied yourself and have been scattered for all these thousands of years and paid a high price for the penalty, penalty of disobedience. I pray that there be no one here today that rebels against your call to their heart from the scriptures by the Holy Spirit. Anyone here or anyone listening in? And Lord, we ask your blessing upon the Sunday school students and teachers as they minister next door here to, the, to grade the message to the individuals. Bless there also, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the third point of this series of studies is the conclusions of Paul about righteousness. If you go back to Romans 10... We've looked at verse 1, one week, verse 2 and 3 the next week, last week, and then we move into verse 4 to 7, the conclusions of Paul about righteousness. It's not activities and works, it's Christ. It's not tradition, but it's trust in Jesus Christ. It's not religion and ritual, it's Christ. It's not baptism, but belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not candles and ceremonies, it's Christ. If we don't get back to that, he is all in all. And he was the one that's going to be exalted for all eternity. And we'll sit or bow at his feet. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Christ is Lord to the glory of God for eternity. And you say, I'm not going to. <laughs> Got news for you. You will. You will bend your knee if you like it or not. You can bow now and believe and be saved. Or you can go out into eternity with a resurrected body, unsaved people, resurrected for a judgment, and you will bow the knee. You know, <clears throat> sometimes you've been compelled to do things you do not like doing. Well, that'll be an occasion. And... You'll be sitting, stand, bowing, sitting, standing, bowing before Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here in verse 4, it's very pointed, for Christ. Have I just been saying, it's not all these things, but it's Jesus Christ. 
for Christ. Because it says in the Bible, in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Full stop. Nobody else. Not ourselves there either. So it's very pointed for Christ. And then it's very powerful. Powerful, it says, Christ is the end of the law. We don't draw across from the Old Testament system and methods of worship into the New Testament church. We do not do that. That is the end of the law for righteousness, as it says. It's a very powerful statement. The law was given almost 1,500 years, not quite, before Christ. At the time, they came in Exodus out of Egypt, and they, the law was given on what mountain? Can you remember? Mount Sinai. The law was given, and the whole place quaked. It was in a smoke, and the people were going up to it, then they all backed off. You know, that's a picture of when God comes and people, whoa, <laughs> I didn't think it was like this. And it's going to be like that, a revelation to a lot of people who will not believe in this life. They will back off, but they'll be drawn to bow before him. 1,500 years ago, that law was given before Christ. And then at Christ's time, he is the end of the law. I, I want to spell it out simply and plainly. He is the end of the law for righteousness. Has, he, has it been cast out and ditched? No, we'll see in a moment there is an importance to it, even for us today. So the diminishing of the law for righteousness. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7, Verse 18 and 19, it says, For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before, for the weakness and unprofitableness of it. Was the law weak? No, the people trying to keep the law were the weak ones. They couldn't. We couldn't. Nobody could keep the law perfectly. For the law, it says in Hebrews 7, 19, For the law made nothing perfect. But the bringing in of a better hope did, the Lord Jesus Christ, by which we draw nigh to God. How do you get nigh to God? By the new and living way, the Lord Jesus. We are his children. We are his sons. We are his daughters. We're made into his image. He, his spirit indwells us. And so it was disannulled, as it says in that verse. For there are is verily a disannulling of the commandment for salvation, for righteousness. It was blotted out. It was taken away. In the book of Colossians, chapter 2, and verse 14, let me read it. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, because we couldn't keep it. It was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way and what did he do? Nailed it to the cross. <laughs> a finished sacrifice. No more sacrifices needed. No more animals to die for a person's covering of their sins. It's once for all sacrifice. It doesn't have to be done weekly. It's done once for all. It is finished, as I said last week. So, <clears throat> very powerful statement. End of the law. It was disannulled. It was blotted out, and in Colossians also, it was taken away. And 
It was, the law was replaced by faith. In the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter 5, I think I went a bit loud there. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 verses 2 through to 6, we read this. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. That is, if you're part of the system of the Jewish system and being circumcised a fleshly thing, Christ profits you nothing. If that's what you're trusting in salvation, it counts to nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. And so it's been replaced by faith as we read on, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, doesn't matter if you're either, but faith which worketh by love. <clears throat> you know, if we try to live under the law and we break one of the laws, you break the lot. <laughs> you break the lot and you say, well... Does it say that anywhere in Scripture? Glad you asked. Chapter 2 of James and verse 9. But if you have res respect of persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. That's severe, isn't it? You can't break one. And that's not only the doing of breaking a law, but the thinking. You know, Jesus put it a little harder, didn't he, when he came and said in the Gospels, if a man, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, but if he thinks on, like for to look on a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery in his heart, sinned, guilty of all the laws. Oh, what hope have we got? In Christ we have hope, don't we? By faith in him. Yes, the law has been replaced by faith in him, even as Abraham, as we looked at, 400 years and so before the law believed by faith. And Ephesians 2 verse 14 and 15 tell us in this diminishing of the law, it's abolished in his flesh. For he is our peace who hath made both one, that's Jew and Gentile both one, and broken down the middle wall of petition between us, there still seems to be a bit of a division recently, doesn't there? <laughs> but not in Christ, not in the church. There shouldn't be. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, he abolished in the flesh the law of the commandments containing ordinances to make in himself of twain, Jew and Gentile, one new man, the church, so making peace. So abolished in his flesh the law. These things have happened to the law for salvation. You don't keep the law for salvation. But, as I said a moment ago, we are still to use the law for a guide to sanctification after we're Christians. Okay? Don't say I'll ditch it all. The law is there to help us as Christians to guide us in our moral decisions. So don't throw it out. Uh, Saturday was given particularly for the Jews. That's not 
on any longer. But all the, you know, all the Ten Commands, go back to Exodus 20 and see them, read them as a Christian. But if you're not a Christian, don't try to go back there, read it and obey it. Because you break one, you break them all. So it's very pointed for Christ. Very powerful is the end of the law. And very precious for righteousness. <laughs> That's a precious statement. That I can get to heaven by his righteousness, credited to my account. As we've read in Romans 4, we went through that, and Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They give testimony to Christ's coming and doing what he did. Huh. Isaiah 53 is an example, and um, Psalm 22 as also an example of he fulfilling the law, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. These are precious truths. For righteousness is Christ. To live righteously, it's up to us as Christians, depending on his grace and his strength through the Holy Spirit. It's very plain also back in Romans 10 and verse 4 and 5. <clears throat> for Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I tend to think I'm complicating it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> because God doesn't. His word doesn't. To everyone that believeth. If I started going down, Mrs. Kemper, you saved. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour? Yes. Yes. She's saying, what are you asking me? <laughs> You're up the front row. <laughs> and then we could go to Diane and John and we could go back. But could you say, yes, I have believed? <laughs> That's it. You're, in, you're a child of God. You're going to heaven. I believe what Jesus has done. We remember the Lord's table this morning and what he's done for us on our behalf. It's very precious for righteousness. It's very plain to everyone that believeth. As it was said to the man who was in, in authority, uh, jail, jail, jail keeper, not a jail bird, um, <laughs> Paul and Silas were the jail birds, weren't they? But... <clears throat> After that earthquake, and I mentioned it last week, he came out and he could, they could see him out the entry of the jail. The gates were busted open. The earthquake shook him loose. And of course he, he thought, nobody in their right mind would stay in the jail. They'd all be run by now, and I'm a dead man. So I might as well kill myself now, and he's about to kill himself. And Paul, seeing the silhouette, do thyself no harm. We're all here. And uh, wow, he come in trembling before them. He's the fellow that kept the jail trembling before the prisoners. And, and he probably heard them singing. Remember, they were singing that night, <laughs> Paul and Silas. And his question was, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what did, the, what did they say? <laughs> Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. John 1, 11 and 12. He came unto his own, but his own, the Jews, received him not. But as many as received him, believed on him, 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Have you believed? Very plain to everyone that believes. You say, it can't be so simple. It is. It is. And very precious. Verses 5 and 6 reads, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. He laid down the law. Well, God laid down the law to Moses in the tables of stone written by the hand of God that the man who doeth those things shall live by them. And if you don't live by them, you're not saved. That's it. You're not going to heaven. But in verse 6, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Let's go to a very precious promise in another epistle of Paul's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 6 and 7. Chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 of 2 Corinthians reads, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. What is the letter there? What is that referring to? Not of the letter, not of the law written down. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit in the New Testament, who came at Pentecost, giveth life. But if the ministration of death, and I know it was a law, the letter, because this is what it says in verse 7. If the ministration of death written and engraved in stones, the Ten Commandments, was glorious. If we were at Sinai the day the law was given, we were part of the children of Israel. Could have been up to two million people there in the desert. Because of 600 men besides women and children and the animals. <laughs> But if we were there and we saw what happened, we were witnesses of the event, we would stand back in awe. This is glorious. This hasn't happened. This didn't happen back in the, in the land of Egypt. This is new. This is God talking. They'd already seen the ten plagues in Egypt. Now this more glorious thing that happened, the law was given. And what did they get up to while the law was being written by the hand of God in the tables of stone down with Aaron on the desert floor? Building a golden calf, idolatry. Anything that's erected, even a statue of Jesus, is idolatry. We worship a living saviour, not a dead on a cross person. He's a living saviour. He's at the right hand of the Father on high. So... If that was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. Now, it wasn't only God's presence and the cloud and the, and the shaking of the mountain, but it was also when Moses came down from the mountain, what was, what was he? He was a glow. He was a glow. He was a glow worm. He was a glow man. He just glowed with... Why? He'd been in the presence of God. And the glory had been imparted to him, but... God said, put a veil over your face so that when you come down and the glory slowly departs, I'm afraid we come down from the mountains, get out into the working place and the glory of God from Sunday departs. Shouldn't, but it can happen. <clears throat> so that the children of Israel don't see the glory go away. And so that's what he did. And it was a glorious event. Um, <clears throat> and Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious. How much better is it? Mount Sinai compared with the cross of Christ and the more glorious thing that happened there. The sins aren't covered. They're taken away as far as the east is from the west in Christ. 
For if the ministration of condemnation, the law, be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. This is a wonderful thing. We are privileged to be part of the church. We are privileged to be able to believe by faith and receive imputed righteousness without going through all the rituals, without doing all the sacrifices. It'd be like living in the slaughter yard, Benz or somewhere like that. I've been, I was working there once, not, I was working on a roof. But all the things and the animals and the guns and the things that were going off, the bolts and the bellowing of the cows and things like that. Imagine the, the temple and the tabernacle and the sacrifices. <clears throat> but we have a more glorious ministration of righteousness, exceeds in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect. In comparison, the Old Testament and the glory of it, by reason of the glory that excelleth the New Testament and Jesus' sacrifice, is wonderful, it's more glorious. It's very precious and very precise more glorious and he reads on we read on for if that which was done away the law was glorious much more that which remaineth is glorious the gospel of jesus christ seeing then that we have such hope we use great plainness of speech go back and read that again that's in second corinthians chapter 3 from the middle of that chapter very precious and then we conclude with what he said after that in verse 6 of romans 10 Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Don't try to bring Christ down from above. He's already been incarnate, come and gone back to heaven. It's um, the, maybe the doctrine of transubstantiation where in the table they say they, Christ, blood, the, the wine becomes the blood and the bread becomes the body. They're only emblems to remember him by. Don't repeat that. It can't be repeated. It's happened once, and there's no there's no another planet with a heap of other oddbods on on it, or human beings, or space people. No, this is it. <laughs> and he's not going to die again for someone else or somewhere else because there is nowhere else. It's here. And don't worry when you get to heaven, you're not going to lose your salvation. You'll be there forever. It's a security. And he says, don't bring Christ down. Or up from below, what does that mean? Who shall descend to the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. You don't need to redo Christ's finished work. That's what those two verses are saying. It's done. Don't bring him down from above. Don't bring him bring up from below. The work is finished. He's been resurrected. He's in heaven. He has that eternal body and, he's, and we'll see his body pierced as Thomas asked for. So the, these are wonderful things. The conclusion of Paul about righteousness, not by doing, but by believing. I can't overemphasize that for any that are here. If anyone would like a little thing, I've only got three, you have to get in first, <laughs> but it just goes through John's gospel, how you can become a Christian. Hebrews. Revelation, 1 John, Isaiah and Romans, each one describe how you can become a Christian or how you can use one of these to talk to a non-Christian about how to become a Christian. I urge you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If God's spirit is striving with you, don't say I'll do it another day. Don't put him off. He might not come knocking again. Let's pray. Thank you for your word.
Heavenly Father, thank you for these precious truths. It's very pointed, it's powerful, it's precious, it's plain, Lord, and it's precise. Thank you for these things, Lord. You don't leave us in the dark or wondering uh, how we can become Christians, but you've written it very easy for us to understand. Bless the person with salvation who believes right now where they're seated on the Lord Jesus or where they're listening at home. May they be saved and become your children. Bless those who are saved that we might be obedient to your word and the law is there to be a guide for us how to live a Christian life. And may we do that and may, may we be an example to all those about us.